You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Hey, I'm Dan Savage, and I want to welcome you to the Savage Love Cast, the once a week out loud phone in version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. Coming to you live, live, live from uh, my offices on the 23rd floor of the Washington Mutual Building in downtown Seattle, Washington. I'm here, the phone's here, uh, your recorded calls are here, and the tech-savvy at-risk youth who put me up to this are here. Let's uh, get right to your calls. Hello, Dan Savage. Uh, my basic question or my basic concern or whatever is that, like, I um, am 20 years old, and um, I've basically been addicted to pornography since I was about 18 years old. And... Um, like, I started watching porn when I was about um, 11, and um, I just, I, like, the first time I ever even kissed a girl was when I was, like, well, like, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, like, it's actually weird, like, going into a vagina because I'm so used to my own hand and so used to just watching pornographic images, and I feel really guilty about it. I felt guilty about it. I mean, actually, I've been addicted to pornography since I was 18, but I've viewed it since I was 11 because, like, I've only really started feeling guilty about it since I was about 18. I really tried to stop ever since I was about 18, but I haven't been able to do it, and I don't really want to watch porn anymore, but it's just something that, you know, I've just, you know, grown to do or whatever. So um, I just want to know what are your thoughts on that? How do I go about quitting? Should I try to quit? I really want to quit. I don't want to watch anymore also um i'm i'm black and like i get off on like a big black dick little white girl porn i don't know what that's all about i've always that's just naturally been attracted like more attracted to white girls and i don't know if that's a racist or what thanks very much for your call and uh we'll break the answer into two chunks just like the question was broken into two chunks okay addicted to porn since age 11 or watching porn since age 11 and addicted since 18 can't stop. First kiss just a couple of weeks ago uh, at 20, and it wasn't very good, and the vagina wasn't what you were used to because you're so used to your right hand, and of course, a constant barrage of images uh, pouring in through your uh, optical nerves into your brain, down your dick, and back up, and blah, blah, blah. So what do you do? You stop watching porn. That's what you do. Uh, you get the internet ripped out of your house. That's what you do. You get... Um, uh, you, when you need to get online for something, you go to a place uh, that's in public where you feel like you can't really watch that much porn. Maybe you can watch a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I hear all the time from people who say they have a problem with pornography, particularly internet pornography, and how easily available porn is 24 hours a day online. And they just don't know what to do. And it never seems to occur to them to not have the internet at home uh, unless you're... Uh, someone who absolutely needs the internet at home for work, uh, and, and those people are few and really far between, you don't need to have the internet at home. It's not the law that you have to have the internet at home. So don't have the internet at home. Uh, it won't make it you know, impossible for you to look at porn online. You can go out to a cafe and find a dark corner and download a bunch, take it home. Um, but it will make uh, it likelier that you'll become bored. You know, Part of the problem with online porn, or can be a problem for some people, is it's limitless the limitless amount of it that's out there. You can just literally six hours can fly by and you can not see the same image twice. It used to be with someone's porn stash, you know, back in the 
the back in the day when people had porn stashes, you'd get bored with the porn you had. And then, you know, the bar was set kind of high to acquire some more porn. You had to go to some skeezy part of town. You had to go to a skeezy dirty bookstore. Uh, you had to, you know, order something when mail order happened or go rent something when video stores first got pornography. You literally had to leave the house and go get it. Now you just, the information superhighway pumps it in faster than you could ever consume it. So you have to accept that that's the reality of porn now, that you have to be the the barrier, you have to be the bar, that you have to jump to see porn. Otherwise, you know, dudes being dudes, if you don't establish some sort of barrier, if you don't have the self-control to know, you know when to say when and push back from the computer, push back from the laptop, um, you're just going to get lost in it. So you're clearly lost in it, uh, and you need to... Uh, Knock it the fuck off. And you know it. And I don't mean to be glib, but I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be difficult. This is your probably your primary route of sexual satisfaction. But if you don't want it to always be your only route of sexual satisfaction, you need to cut way the fuck back. Get the internet out of your fucking house. Throw shit away. Uh, you know, beat off. You know, you're going to get horny. You're going to need to beat off. But the thing is, if you, like, have a masturbatory session where it's just you and your imagination and your right hand, and if you're worried about an addiction to your right hand, you might want to get a masturbation sleeve and, you know, a flashlight and some other things uh, that pro provide you with some different sorts of sensations that might come closer to vagina when you get some. Jumping back now, the thing about a masturbation session is if you're alone and you're not, you know, getting sucked into this, like, feedback loop with your computer and the way you know computers work sort of like video games and ping 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 they keep you coming along they suck you in if it's just you and your imagination in your right hand like really the longest masturbatory session you can possibly bang out is about an hour before you're really done and you really want to go do something else G guys get online and they'll look at internet porn and edge themselves for six hours or seven hours or 12 hours so horniness ain't the problem masturbation ain't the problem for you clearly the internet is the problem. And so push back, limit your internet time, get rid of the laptop, get the internet cable taken out of your fucking house. Uh, cause you clearly have a problem with it. You know, you're like the alcoholic who says, I oh, God, I don't know what to do. You know, and it's never occurred to you to like not have a wet bar at home. Like don't have a wet bar at home. Don't have a keg in your living room. If you're a drunk and the internet is a keg in your living room. If you're having a problem, uh, limiting your porn consumption. All right, so the big black dick, little white girl porn, what's that about? And your attraction to uh, exclusively, it sounds like, white chicks, is that racist? Sure, it's a little racist. Um, so is my, I guess, non-attraction, you know, my attraction. I have sort of conventional gay white male tastes, which run towards other gay white males. And I think all of our tastes are shaped by culture. And our fetishes are shaped by the culture. And people latch on to anxieties that are out in the culture when they're sort of developing their, their fetishes and their kinks. Or, and not, you know, it's not a conscious development. And some people latch on to shit that other people don't. And some people latch on to shit that they do all by themselves. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not making any sense. I had a little tea before the taping today. Can everyone tell that I'm a little wired? So, you know, there's a lot out there in the culture. There's a lot of cultural paranoia among racists about black guys making it with white women. Uh, and so for, you know, a black guy, you've probably consciously or subconsciously picked up on a lot of this tension out there uh, that exists in, you know, the white guys, uh, you know, the hearts and souls of the white guys who have keep the black guys down and their biggest sort of subconscious fears that you're going to do their women you know you're going to fuck a white girl better than they ever could because you got a big black dick and so you your erotic imagination said yeah i'm gonna fuck your little white girls i'm gonna fuck the shit out of them better than you ever could with huge black dicks 
Uh, and that's what turns you on. Is it racist? You bet it's racist. It was completely shaped by the racism that still to this day plagues our culture. And in a way, plagues our erotic imagination. So what do you do about it? Uh, now that we've acknowledged that it's racist, isn't it evil and bad and rotten? And shouldn't you feel guilty and terrible about having these desires? No, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. The only thing you can do about desires uh, and, uh, and fetishes and kinks that you have uh, that were shaped by negative cultural forces is to acknowledge that, wow, you know, look at what these negative cultural forces did to me. Now what do I do? I make sure that when I'm expressing these desires, when I'm indulging them, I'm not being a racist asshole about expressing my racist desires, desires that are shaped by a racist culture. Like you can totally, you're going to meet little white girls out there who are totally into big black dick. And I hope you got a big black dick. Not all black guys got big black dicks, which is a tragedy for some. Um, You'll meet white girls who are totally into that narrative too, totally latched into it too. So long as you guys have, you know, an equals relationship and it's egalitarian and whatever sort of like arousing racist erotic tension that goes on is limited and compartmentalized and and, and consigned to the bedroom and this erotic script that you can both like throw yourselves into while you're fucking each other's brains out and then leap back out of and just be who you are and she can just be who she is and it's not about your big black dick or her little white pussy anymore and you can treat each other as humans then it's fine then you've managed to, you know, harness that, uh, saddle up that beast and ride it and not be ridden by it anymore while still getting to enjoy the kinks that the culture saddled you with. Does that make sense? Am I torturing this metaphor? Or is this metaphor by now just well and thoroughly lynched? Whatever I did to this metaphor, it was ugly and it went on too long and I apologize. Hi, Dan. I'm small and I always have this problem with guys, but especially with the guy I'm with now, that they bottom out. When we're having sex, the head of their penis hits my cervix, and it hurts, and they feel horrible, and I'm in a lot of pain, and it's just a lame situation. So certain positions are better than others, but certain times of the month, every position sucks. And those times, we just, like, don't go at it as hard, but that's not as fun. You know, it's not as fun when you can't slam into each other, pound away, as you say. So what I'm wondering is, are there any, like, Kegel-type exercises that I can do that would somehow help me, I don't know, like hold my uterus higher? And the other question is, are there any positions that you know of that are always better for people with this kind of situation? Thank you so much. Big dicks. They're wonderful things until they cause huge problems. You know, great big dicks with... Little tiny women, like, you know, big black dicks, little white girls like the last caller was into. Uh, it isn't always a recipe for magic and, and wonder and delight. Sometimes it can cause real problems. A long dick, a big dick in a shallow vaginal canal will pound away at the cervix, and that fucking hurts, and I don't need to tell you that. Um, not a lot you can do. You can obey the Kama Sutra, written, you know, centuries ago, which said a mare should be with a stallion. And a field mouse with a field mouse, uh, which sounds kind of depressing when it's put that way, but there it is. Uh, you know, there are, just as you know, everyone obsesses about dick size, there is, you know, vagina size and, and, and vaginal canal length and the position of the cervix and all that can uh, have an impact. Uh, you know, you probably don't want to dump your boyfriend because his dick is too big. Uh, so what are you going to do? There's only really two things you can do, which is experiment with positions that... Uh, that, that limit the uh, depth of penetration, you know, that'll result in shallower intercourse. Uh, there's a bunch of, um, there's some sex furniture from a 
company called Liberator Shapes, and you can find their stuff at liberatorshapes.com. And they're basically cubes and wedges and this bed boudoir furniture, they call it, uh, that would puts you into different positions or your boyfriend into different positions. And if you got one, maybe you could experiment with you know, different angles of penetration. But it's always you flat on your back in the bed, uh, you know, on a hard mattress that's really only one position. Uh, maybe there's no way to find a position shallow that allows for shallow enough intercourse for your comfort. Um, with these things that allow you to you know, sit up, uh, you know, to be cradled in, you know, an L uh, while he fucks you and all sorts of different positions and they flip and they turn over. Uh, perhaps with one of these things, you guys could find several positions that allow for the shallower intercourse. Um, that'll make it possible for you to enjoy yourselves without uh, slamming away at your cervix. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other note is that when a woman is fully aroused, her cervix, uh, her uterus lifts. Uh, and the vaginal canal elongates. It's not a slinky. It doesn't stretch across the room or anything. It's not like alien. Uh, so I want to make sure, I want to ask you, you know, are you fully aroused? You know, are you having quickies? Or is he doing his due diligence and uh, really getting you turned on and getting you wet and eating your pussy and playing with you and fingering you and ramping you all the way up so that when he... Uh, sticks his dick into you, uh, your cervix is as high as it possibly can be and your vaginal canal is as long as it possibly can be. Uh, if he's not, you guys are rushing things, uh, you could be making your problem worse uh, or creating the problem entirely. So there's my advice. Try the uh, sex furniture. Make sure you're fully aroused. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm Dave, a straight male from Phoenix, Arizona, who is apparently like many other straight males who just can't seem to have wild, crazy sex with the ones they really love. In previous webcasts, you've made only passing reference to this as the Madonna whore complex, but considering my issue, I'd really like to hear a more in-depth take or your more in-depth take on this issue, and hopefully you can give me slash us some advice on how to overcome this admittedly really fucked up problem. Uh, I just listened to your phone message for me at the Savage Love cast, uh, and I was calling to ask you a couple follow-up questions. Okay. Uh, what are the crazy, skanky, wild sex things that you can't bring yourself to do with someone you love? Well, um, I've had one girl that would uh, like to would have liked to have done uh, a rape thing mm-hmm. and scenario, and um, I guess anal. <laughs> with wow, girl. that's kind of pathetic. If you can't bring yourself to do yeah, anal know, with okay. someone you love. Right. There goes That's my whole sex done. life. If I could bring myself to do <laughs> anal with someone I love, Jesus Christ, my boyfriend will love me 13 years ago. <laughs> right. And it, and like I said, it's not and it's not that major. And I just wanted to get your take on it and uh, see what you had to say. Well, the, the problem is that a lot of men, a lot of straight men, want to marry mom. They want they want a wife who's just as virtuous and virginal as they grew up presuming their own mothers to be. Uh-huh. But you wouldn't exist if your mother was quite ex- as virginal as your childlike self presumed her to be, correct? Right, right. Mom got the shit fucked out of her at least once. <laughs> right. And what what caused me to call you because was because I looked up, because you had mentioned this in passing in a couple of other podcasts. And uh, I, Wait, I wait, wait let me finish, though. So you want to marry you know, someone as virtuous and virginal as mom. But then you want to have all this crazy, skanky sex. Right. And the trick is you have to reconcile those things. You have to rec- You have to find somebody who is virtuous and that you admire and can adore and love, um, but who has a who you can also see as a totally skanky whore, 
when you want to see her that way and when she desires to be seen that way. And then you can turn it off. You know, it's just like, you know, I would compare it to BDSMers who don't do the 24-7 thing, who aren't always master-slave. You know, they're mostly equals, and outside of the bedroom they say they're, uh, you know, they're mates and they're equals, and it's totally egalitarian, and then they go into the bedroom when they're horny, and, you know, suddenly, you know, one's the boss, and the other is, like, totally submissive. And it's not who they are out of the bedroom. And you, that, you can do that. Everybody does that. Everyone has to do that with the, the person they love and the person whose face they want to blow a load on every once in a while. <laughs> right. And you can you, – you, that's, the, that's the needle that straight guys primarily have to thread because straight guys seem to be the only people with this huge hang-up. Right. That there's the virgin mom they want to marry and have children with without – blowing loads on the face, and there is the whore that they want to throw around the room on their deck. <laughs> right. Those, that person, that is, that is one person. Those two people are one person. Right. Those are the relationships that work. Those are the relationships that last. If you marry, you know, the virtuous virgin, and you have all these desires for skanky, crazy sex that you never act on, you will destroy that relationship. You will end up cheating on that virtuous virgin, and she will leave you. Right. Okay, so you you had another comment. What was it? Um, uh, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and uh, unfortunately, the first sentence really hit home, and it says, this complex often develops when the sufferer is raised by a cold and distant mother. Were you? Which is exactly, definitely. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I know you're not into therapy, but I'm like, God, if I'm to get over this, this is like deep. <laughs> yeah, but you but, know what? That That could have just been... You know, a, a, a blind bullseye. There's plenty of people who have this complex who were not raised by cold and distant mothers. Please don't blame mommy uh, for saddling you with this. It's just like guys who say, you know, people used to say, well, you know, he had a bad relationship with his father, therefore he is gay. If only I'd had a better relationship with daddy, I wouldn't want to suck all this dick. And then you meet gay guys who had great relationships with their fathers and still want to suck dick. Uh, you know, it's there's no telling often where people's sexual hang-ups come from. It seems really random. And everyone you find who proves one theory, you can find just as many people who disprove the theory. You know, people were spanked when they were kids, they therefore they're turned on by being spanked as grown-ups. And then you meet all these people who are into spanking who were never spanked. And that's why they want to be spanked, because they were never spanked. And it always kind of aroused them, because it never happened to them. So don't obsess about the first line of Wikipedia. <laughs> right. You just have to you just have to make up your mind. You've identified the problem. You know it's bullshit. Right. You need to make up your mind not to have this idiot hang up anymore. And you need to be honest with it. You need to, like when you date somebody you need to be like, I totally have this, you know, Madonna whore yeah. thing. It's stupid. Right. I know it's stupid. I'm working my way through it. Um just so you know, the, you know, we might hit this little bump in the road every once in a while where I get a little freaky about it. Uh-huh. But she's not, you know, you should tell the woman you date, don't tolerate it. Because uh-huh. I'm going to do what I can to eradicate it, and now I'm going to blow a load on your face, and, and I'm going exactly. to adore you. Right. Totally understandable. You can get over it. You know, yeah. it really, sex, fun, crazy, wild sex really is often the glue that holds a couple together through the shitty times. Uh-huh. And there's going to be plenty of them. And you don't want to marry a cold, castrating, sexually frustrating bitch like your mom, right? <laughs> right. You want to marry somebody who is not... You know, up on a pedestal, and you feel constantly inferior in front of. You want to marry somebody who is the source of all sexual delight for you, mm. and is also virtuous, 
and good and that you can love. But then, you know, I think it's really important to, to have crazy, wild, fun sex with your lover. Uh, when I'm Those moments when I want to choke the life out of my boyfriend, some part of my reptile brain looks at his face and goes, no, wait, don't, don't. You come in that mouth all the time. Don't kill him. You're going to need him in six hours. Right. You're going to need that, too. So you're going to want to find a woman that you can blow loads in her mouth. And right. still respect her in the morning. Respect her more exactly. in the morning. Right. Got All right? It. Yep. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old virgin. I think part of the problem is that I'm a giant spaz, but I also have had a complicated history when it comes to men. I turned almost every experience I had into a funny story, and that used to be enough for me to be okay about it. But I've been getting increasingly frustrated with and kind of scared about the lack of sexual or romantic intimacy in my life. I guess I want to know if it's normal to feel this way, but I'm more interested in, and I know it sounds a little self-pitying, whether you think there's hope for me, and if so, then how I can get to that point. I just want to someday, before I get super wrinkled, find someone I care about who cares about me that I can be intimate with without being all stuck in my head, being nervous, or flipping out. Hello. Hey, it's Dan. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, just listened to your message, and so I thought I'd give you a call. Thank you. Um, you sound like the most composed, collected, calm, cool cucumber of a woman I who's ever left a message. <laughs> what? I wrote it out first. Well, that was clear. But still, you sounded calm, cool, collected. Where's this I'm a spaz thing come from? Um, I, well, I think I'm a spaz on the inside, but then... We're all spazzes on the inside, each and every one of us, with a thin veneer of calm, cool, and collected slapped uh, on top. Do you so. want to hear a really good story about how big a spaz I am? Uh, sure. It's from yesterday. <laughs> all right. Um, I got so nervous about giving a presentation in a class that I fainted in front of 40 people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that I think is kind of spaz-like. That's kind of spaz-like. Yeah, that's, but I mean, that's never happened before. It's not debilitatingly spaz-like. No. You know, there are a lot of people out there who don't like to speak in front of groups and find that. Yeah, well, or like, um, I think it's spaz also in terms of I don't exactly say the right thing at the right time. I think that's kind of spazzy. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly graceful, but I don't know, like, how much... And you have hangnails and split ends. Uh, okay, yeah. So I guess it's not that big a deal, but... Um, it's yeah. really not. You know, I, I, I spoke at the college, and you said that we, we actually spoke, you yeah. and I. Yeah, like, uh, briefly. Briefly. I don't remember... I remember the college that you're talking about. I don't remember leaving and going... God, I met that spaz. What a spaz I met there. I, I didn't talk about that so much, I don't think. I know, but if you were, like, such a hopeless spaz, I would have been able to been detect it whether or not you introduced yourself as I am spaz. Okay. Um, well, that's good for me. So let go of the spaz thing. Uh, okay. The 24-year-old virgin thing and the nervousness about dating and intimacy. That's totally understandable. Um, I'm recalling the college you went to. It looked like there were about 11 students at that college. Uh, there, I mean, more than, yeah, there are more than 11, but, but it's small. It's a very, very small college. I, I dated one of them briefly, but, it, like, I didn't, I wasn't into it. Your dating pool is tiny. Yeah. And limited. It's poops. Yeah, and it's in a big city. Do you ever get out in the town, or are you really just looking around school? Um, I'm really busy with school, but last year I did. So um, I read Craigslist personals for fun, uh -huh. and I replied to one, and then we had a pretty good like rapport online. I met him. I couldn't tell if I was attracted to him because he was so tall. <laughs> and then... Um, What's wrong with tall? He was, he's 
there's nothing wrong with tall, but like I just couldn't. It just like tall was the overarching thing of what I remembered about him. Mm-hmm. He kind of looked like the BFG. And so you didn't see him again. I saw him the second time, and then um, I guess I, it wasn't good that I probably put him in a pressured situation where it was a friend's birthday party out, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, I think. He was rubbing my arm, and I don't know if I was, like, not into it enough, but then he said this thing about how I wasn't into him, but it made him sound sort of like he was feeling bad for himself, which is a huge turnoff, and so I didn't talk to him again. Okay. So, do you want me to tell you what you're doing wrong? Yes. You're, uh, besides allowing yourself to think that you're the only spaz and you're the only person who on the inside is full of turmoil, uh, we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to let that go. You're starting at the same starting point that everybody else is, because we all think we're freaks on the inside, and we can't believe that other people even want to look at us because we're such nuts. Uh-huh. Everyone feels that way, so let that go. Okay. Um, your virginity uh, issue <laughs> and your lack of you know, intimacy and, and having had a boyfriend uh, has now made you probably a bit tense about any opportunity that comes along where you start scrutinizing it in this way that is going to guarantee its failure. Yeah. Right? The the stakes seem really high, probably. When you meet a guy you're attracted to, or you meet a guy on Craigslist, or you meet somebody anywhere, anything, any possibility presents itself, you probably overthink it and overworry it. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so the only thing you need to overthink and overworry is overthinking and overworrying. Okay. You need to let those things go. And that's much easier said than done, I realize. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But you need to say, that is my biggest stumbling block. Not, you know, how high the stakes are, but how freaked out I am about how high the stakes are. You have a pussy, you'll get laid. I hear it works that way. It but does work that way. Yeah. You need to get out more. Mm-hmm. You need to meet guys, and you can meet them online, that's fine. Meet a smorgasbord. Don't meet one guy and then go, oh, I guess this meeting people online or meeting people anywhere won't work because this one guy I met, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I was dating before the internet came along, and if I had met one guy in one bar once and it didn't work out, and then gave, given up, I, well, I never I would have met think, anyone ever again. I didn't think it was like the... I mean, I know that I need to meet more people for it to for me to actually have something to complain about in a more legitimate way. But I actually... So, after I called you, I started thinking about, like, what I was actually worried about. And... Because um, I've had, like, not good things happen when I was younger, and you, then just weird things happened when I was, like, older. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you care to elaborate? Um, well... I mean, vaguely. You don't yeah, have to go oh, into detail. Um, when I was in kindergarten, I was touched by another student inappropriately with... It was... An, another kid watched. It was, like, in the playground. I don't know. It was just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was... And you've always had anxiety about that. Um, I didn't... Like, I thought... I guess so. I mean, I didn't really think that I was, that it was still a big deal because it was a long time ago. But now hearing my voice, how nervous I am talking but about But when it, you were like 15? Well, well, when I was 16, I was, um, I was just walking down the street in a huge group of people in Eastern Europe somewhere, and this guy on the street corner, like, his hand went, like, under my skirt and like, on my crotch, Mm -hmm. and that was, and I just ran, I bolted and ran, Mm -hmm. um, and so, there's, those are, like, 
sort of really scary things that have happened. Right. And so I was associating that with, like, the time when I had a huge crush on a guy when I was a freshman in high school, and then, um, like, he, he finally, he asked me to dance, and then he got an erection and was breathing heavy in my ear, and I was so freaked out. Um, men, which, men do tend to do that. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know now, but it was just, like, really... I did not know what was going on. You were ready for it. You right. thought it was a dance, and he was clearly thinking it was a hump. Yeah, or, like, I mean, when I visited my freshman year of college, I visited a guy that um, from high school that I had liked, and I didn't know that he was into me. I didn't know that he was expecting us to hook up, although I should have. It was obvious, like, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But um, Do you wish you had in retrospect? Um... I think I still think that I would have had he said anything remotely right. <laughs> you would have had he said something right. Yeah, like okay. everything he said was—it's like it made me feel bad. Like he told me that we didn't have to have sex, and um, like we definitely made out. And I gave him half a hand job until I just felt so weird about it. And then he told me that I was going to give him blue balls, and I was like. It sounds like you've had some shitty experiences. Um, a lot of people had, you know, play doctor moments in kindergarten. It wasn't a ninth grader when you were in kindergarten, right? It was other kindergartners. It, no, it was another kindergartner. And, I, and then the only thing I would say about that experience is don't look at it through the lens of now. Because you may be looking back at that experience and wanting to endow it with more weight and trauma than it actually had. I think the Eastern European experience is definitely traumatizing. Yeah, I think I, I, like I think that's actually not a big deal. It's weird to talk about it knowing that it's going to be like people are going to hear about it. <laughs> but I don't think that it should mean anything. And right, it just feels like you're building these perhaps the kindergarten event, not the Eastern European event. You're building it up a little bit. Um, you know, you haven't had it sounds like you haven't had social success sexually yet. Mm-hmm. You may yet. Don't fall into the trap of magnifying those traumas to justify the sort of weird plateau you've hit and you haven't gotten off of. You know what I mean? It's not a good pattern to make. No, it's not a good pattern. What you want to do is say, you know, I had those bumps. They were unpleasant. Um, They still make me a bit anxious when I dwell on them. Um, But there are people who didn't have those bumps who are in my shoes now. Yeah. So they may or may not be related. But the more you say, oh, here I am now because of that then, the larger those things loom perforce. Mm-hmm. And the more stuck you're going to get, because you can never eradicate those experiences. Okay. You can, you know, if you make you becoming sexually healthy and calmer and you know more secure, uh, contingent upon those things not having had happened, mm-hmm. you're not ever going to progress. Right. You know, there's a lot of people who have tension, a lot of people who at 24 are virgins and are anxious about it and the stakes seem very high and they haven't had much dating success yet, who didn't have those experiences. Okay. You know? Yeah. So let it go. Okay. It's a part of your sexual past. It's unpleasant. But it, it doesn't have to be like a big deal unless it's right. in the future. And you don't want to make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Okay. You know, it's part of your sexual past. It happened to you. It was unfair. You did absolutely the right thing when you bolted and ran. You know, I've heard from people who had similar experiences who froze up and just stood there and didn't know what to do and felt trapped. And then felt like they then violated themselves. You know, they compounded the violation, and then they have this tremendous guilt about that. So give yourself some credit. Yay. You know? Okay. It's too bad you didn't stick a shiv in his side. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't want to even. It was like, I still have the kind, like the, the memory of turning my head and seeing his face, mm-hmm. and 
all I wanted to do was not be there anymore. Right, and you know you'll always have that memory. Yeah. Um, you need to not dwell, you don't dwell on it. And if you look at where, you know, the position you're now and you go, ah, it was that Eastern European thing, then you're always going to be dwelling and you're always going to be thinking uh, yeah. about it. I don't think it's the Eastern European thing as much as like, uh, what am I doing? Okay, so what are you doing is, what you need to do is you've been buried in your studies. When do you graduate? Um, in like two months. Well, take some fucking time off. What? Do you have to go right to work? No. Take some fucking time off. Get some bullshit job somewhere. My favorite kind of job. Get some bullshit job and chill out. And okay. go out and meet people. You will meet more assholes. You know, I don't want, I feel like bad sending you out into the world knowing that you had these negative experiences because you know what? You're going to have more negative experiences. I know. And you're going to have to be able to process them and move move on and not let them shatter you. You know what I mean? We yeah. live in a culture now that encourages people when they've had a bad sexual experience to forever be shattered by it. We say, oh, that's so shattering you'll never recover. Uh, and, and that's not so. We make it so often when we hammer away at those points. I, no, I think I'd like... I think that I'm the sort of person that doesn't... I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. Okay, so keep trying and get out there. And you have a vagina, and there is somebody out there who's going to want to put his dick in it. Ah, it's like magic. It, just, it is like magic. It really is. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a fag, and I want to sleep with dudes, and 97% of the dudes out there, 90, 95, are straight. 95% of them want to sleep with you. Your odds are so much better than mine. So don't come whining to me okay. about being a 24-year-old straight girl virgin, and you're never going to get any. You're going to get some. Okay. And you know what? There's an anxious, perhaps socially maladapted guy who's 24 and a virgin or 30 and a virgin who could probably who would probably be very nice and respectful and chill if you can find that other person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's somebody out there who's the right one for you to explore with and be tense with. But you have to be honest about where you're at. Right. To and find then, that person. Yeah. Okay. But all you need to do is put yourself out there. Hang out a fucking shingle. You'll get laid. Okay. Well, I thank promise you. you. That's nice to hear. <laughs> you probably won't get laid on your campus, because there's uh, only 12 guys there, and they're yeah. all too busy smoking cigarettes on the quad to That's notice the true. pussy walking around. Oh, yeah. Um, and they smell bad. Like because, They do smell bad. And also, like, not bathing sometimes. <laughs> get out okay. of college two months, get a job, chill, be the 24, 25-year-old virgin, make some new friends. Tell them the truth about, you know, you know, I just sort of went zooming out of high school into college and arrived 25-year-old virgin, here I am. And you'll get some. Okay. And stop stressing, you know, the way you talked about those past experiences. Mm -hmm. You need to start, you need to get to a place where you can talk about those past experiences as if they are well in the past. That's, I mean, that's, it's good advice. That's what I do. That's why they pay me the big bucks to do the podcast. Good. <laughs> Good luck, okay? Yeah, thanks. So Give much. us a call back sometime and let us know how it goes, particularly okay, the day after you lose your virginity. Okay. I'll, uh, you know, think about it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Um, I'm a 61-year-old retired gay man, and I'm not really a very attractive person, believe me. And now that I've retired and I've had few sexual encounters with men over the years, I hire escorts and I hire, you know, I go on the internet and I find these extremely gorgeous looking guys and I hire these guys every few months or so. And I, I guess the thing that bothers me is that 
you know, when I find these guys on the Internet, you know, I can see their pictures and read some things about them, but they know nothing about me. And uh, they agreed, you know, to to meet up with me. And in a way, I kind of feel guilty because, like I say, I'm not an attractive person. And it just bothers me afterwards that this gorgeous guy had, you know, had to uh, deal with me for some playtime. Should I feel guilty? You know, I mean, these guys, that's what they do, you know. They uh, they play for pay, I guess you could say. I just, And I'm just wondering if, if I should be feeling guilty because, you know, they have to come and, you know, meet up with me. I just, I have a, I just have a problem, you know, worrying about, I have guilt afterwards because, because of that. I was just wondering what you think about it. Speaking for the sex workers that I have known, um, and loved, uh, but not loved and known, if you follow my drift, uh, it would be worse for them if everyone who, uh, was, you know, felt that they weren't on the same, you know, batting in the same ballpark or in the same league, uh, stopped patronizing them because then there would be no money in sex work uh, and the sex workers would all starve to death and they're all plenty thin as is. So um, you shouldn't feel guilty. Sex workers, uh, male escorts, they know that part of the job that they're doing is uh, requires them to be sexual with people that they may not... Uh, you know, who aren't as attractive as they themselves are. That's why they're being paid for sex and not the other way around. Um, so you shouldn't feel guilty uh, about your looks. Uh, and and I, I assume that you're being more down on yourself than you need to be, like a lot of people are, particularly a lot of gay people tend to be. Um, you shouldn't feel bad. Uh, you should pay them their hourly rate. You should tip them well. You should do your due diligence and make sure that you're uh, hiring guys who are respectful and kind. And I recommend daddiesreviews.com if you're looking for male escorts, uh, because there's a lot of back and forth on that website. Uh, patrons review the escorts. The escorts are allowed to respond uh, to negative reviews or positive reviews. Um, and it's a good way to weed out the bad ones from the good ones and to find guys with good reputations uh, and who are sensitive and compassionate and doing this work. Um, there's a lot of guys and women out there who do sex work who are very compassionate and very understanding and provide a real service. Um, and it, it can be very healing and, and very comforting. It's not just an ugly monetary transaction. It's not something that has to leave everybody involved feeling diminished. If everybody involved approaches it with the right attitude um, for you, from you, all the sex workers that I've known, all they want is someone who is kind and upfront and isn't squirrely and weird, who has good personal hygiene, who bathed, who brushed his teeth, um, and who doesn't try to dicker with them about their rates. Um, and if they feel they got good service tips, it's all they want. You don't have to be, uh, an Adonis. They're not expecting that, um, and, you know, what people should expect from their sex workers is confidentiality, anonymity, unless you're Ted Haggard and then you don't deserve it, uh, and a fair deal and not a rush job and not blackmail uh, and not, you know, a look on their face when they walk in the door because you're not Brad Pitt. If you were Brad Pitt, you wouldn't be hiring an escort probably in the first place. So, no, don't feel guilty. Please don't feel guilty so long as you're doing 
everything that I said in the dues column. Good personal hygiene, respectful attitude, uh, pay them what they ask, tip them if they're good, and send them on their way. Uh, again, and if people out there are looking for mail escorts, I do recommend daddiesreviews.com. Even though we give out a phone number every week for people to record their questions and comments, uh, some folks are shy and they prefer to email them in, which is fine. Mail at savagelove.net is the email address if you prefer to communicate with me that way. Um, and I got a few emails I'd like to read this week. Uh, Dan, I just listened to your fucking podcast when you worried about the language you use when a 50-fucking-year-old Catholic mother uh, listened to you. Well, I'm a 41-fucking-year-old Catholic mother of four who is not offended in the least by the language that you use on the podcast. I must say that you do love that word fuck a fucking lot. I live in the Midwest in a bubble. Don't get me wrong. I love my bubble. My kids are my world right now. And their sports, Catholic school, activities, driving, laundry, pets, and cooking uh, make me happy. But sometimes I feel as if I left my personality somewhere on the labor room floor. Love you and love your podcast because it's funny, compassionate, and interesting. Carry the fuck on. Christy. P.S. Loved your book on gay marriage. The commitment might give it to our priest. Please do. Give me your priest address. I'll mail him a box. Uh, hey, Dan. As regards the woman with the pie fetishist husband and her question about getting pudding in her girl bits, yeast thrive on sugar. No sugary pudding in the vagina is likely to result. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to start that one again. As regards the woman with the pie fetishist husband and her pudding in the girl bits question, Dan, yeast thrive on sugar. So sugary pudding in the vagina is likely to result in a yeast population explosion a.k.a. a yeast infection. This is why most lubes are made with artificial sweeteners like aspartame. A switch to Bill Cosby-approved sugar-free pudding could preempt the problem. Thanks for being such a rational, compassionate, and strong voice. Cheers, Stu. Thank you for writing, Stu. And uh, one from Duncan. Dan, I was listening to your podcast number 43 and 44 this week. I bet I'm not the first to point out that in one episode you claim never to have used the word pussy in a derogatory way, and then the very next episode you let it slip. Not the first time and don't care other than to say that calling someone a pussy, implying they're weak, to some people at least, is a reference to a baby cat. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you confused my sex podcast with somebody else's sex podcast, uh, Duncan, because I have never ever use the word pussy in that pejorative sense pussies as i say every week are strong they can take a pounding unless the cervix is really close to the bottom and uh they spit out human beings uh pussies are amazingly powerful human spitting outing things uh and i would never use it as a to, to mean weak or wimpy or powerless uh, but thanks for writing pussy and we're going to leave the podcast there. Uh, thanks, everybody, for downloading us this week. 206-201-2720 is the phone number if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast. Please leave your phone number in case we need to call you back and ask you a follow-up or want to talk to you uh, for the broadcast. That number again, 206-201-2720. And you can always email me via the Savage Love email, which is mail at savagelove.net. And you download this every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back with another podcast next week.